what might you do if you received a mysterious delivery but had no idea who sent it? What if that unmarked package contained an old diary with no explanation? That's exactly what happened to Angela. The only clue was a note. It contained just six words that were stuck to the worn front cover of the thick leather-bound book filled with hundreds of handwritten pages. The note said, use this as you see fit. The last entry of the diary, which seems to be filled with personal stories involving cannabis, is dated April 20th, 2022. It's intriguing. Who wrote the diary? Where did it come from and why was it sent? Angela, along with her friend Brandon, are ready to explore the entries to learn more. Even though they have no idea who the author is or why the diary was anonymously sent, they're both committed to finding answers. On this podcast, we're exploring the diary and learning more about the experiences of whoever wrote it. Through that exploration, hopefully we'll solve the mystery of the diary and why Angela was trusted with this extraordinary responsibility. Well, hello, Angela. Well, hello, Brandon. Uh, I've been on a photo kick. Really? Yeah, been listening to some photo music, photo music. I was going to say, did you confirm how to pronounce it? Fado, Fado? No. Okay. It sounds like it's different wherever you want to go. All right. But yeah, I, I, I like it. It's fun. It's very, it's very soulful. soulful. Just a lot of... Okay, that was like the music that you want to put a shawl around yourself, yes, correct? Yes, That's what the yes. description said? So, and eat a, eat a Portuguese meat dish. No, I don't remember reading that part. I don't... <laughs> I think you try and sneak meat in wherever you can. Oh, well, that's a, yeah. Right. Well, I come from the land of sausage. <laughs> well, so does that mean that, well, it does mean that our diary exploration is influencing your world outside of our talks, doesn't it? Oh, it does. I went and I found that uh, the Dr. Greenspoon, 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 Greenspoon book. Oh, the new one, the Seeing mm-hmm. Through Smoke one? Yeah, I haven't read it yet, though. Okay, that's okay. Like I, I, I haven't read it. It's on my list of of things to check out soon, and I don't know if you remember me mentioning, but that the new book, "Seeing Through the Smoke," uh, what's it called? A cannabis specialist untangles the truth about marijuana. Mm-hmm. So that is Doctor Peter Greenspoon or Grinspoon. Oh. And he is the son of the famous oh. doctor and cannabis activist, Dr. Lester Grinspoon. Lesser? Lester. Lester. I thought you said he's lesser of a I, do, I was not saying that. And if I did say lesser, that was not intentional. Lester. Lester Grinspoon. Lester Grinspoon. Grinspoon. Grin- Lester Grinspoon. Grinspoon. All right. Um, and that was the diary entry where we read about Carl Sagan. Yes. As Mr. X. I remember that. I thought it was Professor X. Well... <laughs> That is what you, wait, was it Professor X or no, it was Mr. X. It was Mr. X. But you were calling him Professor X because you wanted him to be. Yes. Yes. So, um, so that is the son of that very famous Dr. Lester Grinspoon. Oh. Dr. Peter Grinspoon, uh, who's affiliated with Harvard, if I remember correctly. Um, and he's, he's a Harvard, Harvard man. <laughs> this book is getting a lot of traction. And I think that Dr. Grinspoon's um, background 
is part of why this book, um, this most recent book, is getting a lot of traction because he is of the Grinspoon family, but so very prominent mm-hmm. cannabis name and influence. Um, and he's also a medical doctor and he's also a, um, he's uh, in recovery with opioids. Oh. So the oh. cannabis is, is really very. Helping him with that? Well, and there's a lot of exploration of recovery and what that means. And I even vaguely recall that he was part of um, the very talented Canadian musician that formed some of, of how I saw the world. Celine Dion? No. <laughs> High school. Dave Coulier. Um, Alanis Morissette. Alanis Morissette. Uh. So isn't it ironic that you don't remember the name of Alanis Morissette? <laughs> it was it was just not coming to me, um, but that he was a consultant on the musical Jagged Little Pill. Oh, um, and and that ha- that was a musical that uh, dealt with the topic of the opioid opioid addiction and opioid crisis. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, so he was buddying up to Alanis there. Well, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how that works. And I've I've had the pleasure of seeing the musical mm-hmm. and it was bonkers amazing. Um but it was uh, a lot of it was about the music for me too as well as a really uh powerful moving story. And did they have a song or did they have like an evil Dave Coulier character? Uh, not that I saw, but I think we were all on the lookout for it. Ah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think I cannot, if you bought the book already, when you finish it, mm-hmm. can I just borrow it? Of course you can. <laughs> so then I don't have to buy another that copy. That sounds good. Although maybe that's, maybe I should be supporting Dr. Grinspoon's and, and buying, buying a copy myself. Let's, so, we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge later. So last week we were talking about how, uh, or a couple weeks ago we were talking about how this was the anniversary of, uh, Anslinger's. Uh, passing his birthday oh, it was birthday his okay. birthday was uh may 20th um but he certainly wasn't born this year mm-hmm. um he was born in oh i'm not even sure i need to look that up it was the 1800s 1885 Nope, 1892. 1892. 1892. Mm. Um, so, uh, yes, big day uh, in, in somewhere uh, when Harry Anslinger was born on May 20th, 1892. Hmm. So, I bet you're wondering, did I find an entry? Uh, yeah, I'm wondering, yes. Did, did you, I? Did, did you find an entry? Absolutely. All right. What do we got? And I will say there were a few. He comes up um, with some frequency. Okay. So um, one of the the things that uh, I'm going to surprise you with today is a twofer. All right. Do you twofer? That means. But do you know what that means? There's two of them. Well, I, I mean, yeah, kind of. So, in looking through Mary's diary here, there's an entry that I'd like to read from November the 18th, 1975. 
All right. Hit it. Okay. So from November 18th, 1975, this is what it says. I couldn't love Lucretia's gift more. It's a yellow and white one with thin stripes, and I've already hung it with the others. That's number 37 for me. When I opened it. The end. Um, sorry, go on. <laughs> no, that's the thing. I'm going to do a bonus entry today because that's it for November 18th, 1975. Oh, okay. So I, I assume Mary got interrupted? Uh, I would think so because it didn't sound like the end of the sentence. It was not the end of the sentence. Is there another one that was a couple days later or something? Well, that's the thing. So the next entry um, was the, the entry that I found for today. And that's November 19th, 1975. Um, but I'm still going to focus on this 18th, 1975. What do you think she now, as of November 18th of 1975, has 37 of? Uh, well, something that's yellow and white. So. Right. I'm guessing probably, uh, probably an albino zebra. <laughs> okay, um, possibly, but yellow and white canaries. And maybe, but uh, why would that one have thin stripes? And why would she have hung it already if yellow, it was a canary? Yellow and white. After a while, things have become yellow. Mayonnaise. Sure, but why would you hang that on the wall? And she opened it. Mayonnaise. Right, but why would you hang mayonnaise on the wall? <laughs> That's why why wouldn't you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Seems like the place to put it. Imagine it's November eighteenth, nineteen seventy five. Yes. You're out just, you know, getting gifts going. and maybe and then you get something that's yellow and white and you have to open it to be able to hang it on your wall. But it's yellow and white. Mm. I got I got nothing. Like somebody painted a banana and she put it up there? That might be. I, I don't think so. And why would you have why would you be excited to have thirty seven? Well I have I have like thirty seven guitars. Okay. So that's the thing. Like doesn't this feel like something that's a collectible? Oh yes. Okay. As opposed to just a an obsession. I I guess. Um, oh, wait. Oh. Mm. I just took a closer look. It actually says 137. My bad. Oh, 137. Yeah. Well, then that's even more. Right. <laughs> I don't have 137 guitars. Yeah, anyway, the, my my bad on the, the poor reading. Um, so we get a two for today, but that is uh, like a, like a, what is, like a meta mystery, like a mystery within the mystery now. All right. Of like what is happening here? Oh. Because I I I'm I find it to be very suspenseful. Okay. Well, I mean is there is there uh is there there's another un entry that kind of <laughs> Well, there is. This is this is the other one, right? Okay. So this is the Anslinger entry. Oh. So I can read you that one. I just want you to know that if you see something that it has yellow and white stripes that could be hung on the wall after you know, I guess somebody gifts it to you. Just be on the lookout. And 137 seems like a lot. That does seem like a of bit. anything. A bit. Guitars, mayonnaise, whatever. Seems like a problem. All right. So November 19th, 1975. 
says, Dear Diary, I assumed that I'd see the headline one day. Today was the day when I sat down to read yesterday's paper. Ah, that's it. She's collecting newspapers. But why would they be yellow and white and striped? Well, after a while, you know, the, 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 the pages turn different colors and stuff. Yes, but I don't... Okay, so I guess there's no bad ideas in brainstorming. Yep. Okay. Good. There is no bad ideas in brainstorming. <laughs> All right, so... Do, do, do. Yesterday's paper. I thought I'd see the world as a safer place once he wasn't in it. But that's not how I feel at all. I suppose that was one of his goals to leave a lasting legacy. I guess that's the goal for us all. Well, he certainly left one. Um, I wonder who she's talking. I wonder if she's talking about Anslinger. Yes, that is exactly who she's talking about. And like this, this kind of makes sense, right? Because he is one of the most famous names in cannabis. and mm, Infamous. Right, infamous. Well said, Brandon. For, for being one of the, the, the most well-known infamous names, we, we would have to note that it's not very positive. And based on what I'm reading here about what Mary has said, I, I, she would not see m many, if any, of his contributions as positive. Mm. But um, would you, so I did pull it up. Okay. To, to be able to share with you. And it did run on November 18th, 1975, was Anslinger's obituary in the New York Times. So um, the headline is Harry Jan J. Anslinger dies at 83, hard-hitting foe of narcotics. <laughs> and the part-time pirate. <laughs> um, and the subtitle below that is U.S. Commissioner 32 Years Advocated Harsh Laws to Abolish Pushers, Users. Oh. So this was apparently written by a, a person named Albin Krebs. Just so you know. And this is what it says. Harry J. Anslinger, an implacable, hard-hitting foe of drug pushers and users, during the 32 years he was the Treasury Department's Commissioner of Narcotics, died Friday in his Hollidaysburg, Pennsylvania home. You know what? They're, uh, what's odd about Hollidaysburg is they actually don't celebrate any holidays in Hollidaysburg. Like they had to go the opposite route mm -hmm. to make sure to brand appropriately. Correct. Okay. Good yep. for them. Except um, for Groundhog's Day. And that one's just over and over again. That one's just over and over again. Because <laughs> it's probably not far from where uh, I would imagine where one of the many Punxsutawney Phils are. Right. But with Holidaysburg, like, wouldn't you want to lean into that and, like, use that to your advantage? Like, come live here. Every day's Anslinger's a holiday. Anslinger's from there. Well, no. So, Anslinger's not from there. I think he just died there. Yeah. And so did all of their hopes and dreams. Uh, oh. Oh. You do know more about Anslinger than I thought. Well, his age was 83. Mm. Mr. Anslinger, who retired in 1962, believed that all dope... That's in quotation marks. All dope. All dope. From marijuana to morphine was equally dangerous. 
He advocated harsh laws against the sale, possession, and use of all habit-forming drugs, combined with what he called tough judges not afraid to throw killer pushers into prison and throw away the key. Oh, all right. Yes. There's a little bit more in his obit here. a hardline here. stance going on. He had a Sheriff Joe Arpaio thing going on there. Mm. Well, and when it comes to... And, and this is where it becomes a little complicated, right? Because he is not incorrect that illicit substances can be dangerous. And that... Mm, part of me would want to know what Mary says, too. Mm-hmm. Because he did dedicate his life to you know the drug war and there are some dangers associated with some drugs they're just undeniable the the frustrating thing and i I mean that's like the the best word the, the best understatement word i can think of is that cannabis and and marijuana as it was called you know regularly throughout his entire reign um was was lumped in and this was on purpose like he he knew what he was doing there's a lot of evidence to support that he knew that that wasn't going to be um you know that it, it was not the same all the substances were not the same even though that's the narrative that kept him busy at the helm of the fbn for 30 years he just had a he just had a cactus in his shorts for it he well he really he really really did mm-hmm um, despite his unflagging campaign against illicit drugs, however, Mr. Anslinger readily saw the legitimacy and necessity for having readily available supplies of some drugs for use in medical treatment. He was given a large measure of credit uh, for ensuring an adequate supply of drugs for use in the military during World War II. Hmm. And that, I believe that was specifically morphine. It doesn't say it here, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Shortly after his appointment to head the burgeoning Bureau of Narcotics, Mr. Anslinger began to attend on presidential orders, international conventions on narcotic drugs uh, that were called by the League of Nations. And this is a good moment to mention that a lot of these um, concerns and a lot of these global conversations about um, the danger of illicit substances, that was already in motion before Anslinger got involved from the league of nations well it, it would have been one, that's the one with superman and <laughs> batman aquaman uh captain america yeah <laughs> iron man yes <laughs> very against drugs <laughs> and at one point betty white <laughs> yes yeah. um no it was there were already the league of nations was established um in the 1910s 1920s something like that and in 1921 yes the league of nations established an advisory committee on the traffic in opium and other dangerous drugs um regarding you know the gathering of international intelligence on on drugs and substances to figure out as as a as a global response what is the best thing to Mm. do so, I mean, things were happening before he was there. Yeah. But he really became, he became such a voice, like such a global representation of all of this, like, gateway drug concept and furthering 
these thoughts that cannabis users marijuana users this is where it all starts and and there's evil there's inherent evil in all of these these people so um back to his obituary he he was involved on a global scale but it wasn't he wasn't the only one behind it Mm, gotcha um and it goes on to say that by the mid-1930s he became convinced that the use of marijuana among young people had become so widespread that it represented an epidemic of dope addiction that's a quote and brought on another quote an epidemic of crimes committed by young people where was he getting this is information telling him that this was that there was chaos going on all around that's an excellent question like there is no one easy answer because mm. he he it was common knowledge that he did a lot of just fabrication it sounds oh. like he had a very active imagination okay much of the time despite the fact that he's described as a very um how shall i put this like stoic grumpy kind of guy okay well he saw something once in a movie well, and then he made his own movie. Yeah. Um, he he was part of what was behind Reefer Madness and um and, and all of the names that went by. And even in this um obituary, the very next sentence says he wrote an article on the subject in nineteen thirty seven called Marijuana Assassin of Youth, which was also the name of one of the movies he made. Mm. And there was nothing to support this. He ends up creating this thing that, you know, I think we've referred to and talked about before called the gore file, where he would take sensationalized, some sensationalized news stories or just things that he said he heard and then would would tout them as fact and go around and show people awful, you know, pictures of murder victims, the Victor Licata Tampa Florida story is one of the most famous. I want to say it was from the 1930s. Sounds like a sounds like a kid in our neighborhood be like, "Oh, you want to see a dead body?" Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like the annoying kid in the neighborhood. Yeah. And and like Tur- turns out there was a dead body. Wait. Well, no, no I mean in, not I mean in, in my in my experience. Oh, in your neighborhood, in, the in kid my neighborhood, the yeah. kid with the said, "Do you want to see a dead body?" Yeah, he wasn't playing around. Okay. He was more asking for help. Uh, I see. So let's back that up. Um, so Anslinger was not like all of the kids in the neighborhood. Yes, gotcha. Yes. Um, but generally speaking, that whole like uh, sensationalizing, like hyperbolizing everything yeah. to, to, to fit your particular needs or wants or views. And that, and that still happens to this day. With with media and all, you know and politicians. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, so, yeah. and it was just easier for someone that had had you know ended up in quite a a position of power um, through public service to be able to do that. Uh, there's more to the obituary. Do you want to hear it? It's a long obituary, so maybe I won't read all of it. Yeah, I can re- give a little more. Um, 1942. Mr. Anslinger stated in a massive report to the Secretary of Treasury that there is an ample proof that Japan had violated its international commitments for years, 
in its promotion of the opium trade oh. and it used drugs as an offensive against countries it was trying to overcome. Japan, as he says. Yes. Well, and that's so when we that's think part back of propaganda of World War Two as well, too. So and like they would whatever the propaganda at the time, like whatever was happening at the time is what Anslinger would like lean into to 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 scare and to intimidate. Yeah. Like to jump forward a little bit. So in um uh, maybe it was the 50s. Like so Anslinger would regularly attack any sort of science or medical professional that would end up um disputing or or or, or actually saying outright so, that so he didn't like LaGuardia and all then. No. Well see yeah. and LaGuardia and him did not get along at yeah. all. And they, I, there are many that think that LaGuardia did this, like ran with the LaGuardia report and put so much resource into it specifically to show the world that that all of this stuff that Anslinger was saying about all of this growing problem in New York was not a real problem at all. I wonder if I wonder if Anslinger decided to never fly into LaGuardia Airport. I I wonder. Yeah, and I hope wondering. he had to. And then I hope he did not feel welcome. Yeah. <laughs> no, New York does not love you. But so there was um, there. I want to say it was in the 50s. I'm going to have to double check. Professor Alfred Lindsmith, and he was a sociologist with University of Indiana. He was a really important figure um, early on when it came to putting the 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 notion into the medical and, and um, science world that that treatment was needed for addiction. Um, and that we really needed to focus on more humane methodologies for medical treatment. Mm -hmm. And in in some of the way that Lynn Smith positions this, it's very anti the Anslinger agenda. So then he goes and threatens him and doesn't and tries to make sure that his stuff doesn't get published and then goes further and then starts the, the rumor starts accusing him of communism which was a hot topic at the time. Yeah. So like I think that there was this harnessing of propaganda whenever it became useful yeah. and whatever the thing was in that moment. So like right. And there this is there's a lot of support that indicates that he was a racist and he was xenophobic and I, I'm not sure I'm not sure that I've come across, but in full disclosure, I've not actively looked either. That he hated that he hated ostriches. I don't know whether he hated ostriches or and how he felt about birds in general. Mm -hmm. But I've not come across anything other than, interestingly enough, a website that I will tell you about in a minute. Um, that really talks about positive attributes of his or any kind of good natured aspect to or 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 like authentic heart that he brought to this work yeah so it's not i've looked but maybe i need to look harder because i, I want to hear both sides um but there is one website that's quite complimentary in particular when it comes to anslinger would you like to know what it is uh and Slinger, he's a zinger.com. Oh, missed opportunity for someone out there yes. because Zinger doesn't come up at all. It totally should. Let's see. 
the actual URL for this one is museum.dea.gov backslash backslash exhibits backslash online exhibits backslash Anslinger. So when you uh, go on the DEA uh, museum page, this is the first thing you see uh, for the Anslinger online exhibit. A life of service. Born to immigrant parents of modest means, Harry Jacob Anslinger ran the Federal Bureau of Narcotics for more than 30 years. He rose from railroad worker to the consular service at the State Department to the commissioner of the DEA's predecessor agency in little more than a decade. This is all true. Hmm. He served five presidential administrations and led the FBN through the Great Depression, World War II, and the Cold War. As well as winning four Grammys. <laughs> he was so close to an EGOT. Yeah. Um, and so on this site, you can examine a trove, a trove of artifacts and photographs from Anslinger's historic career in this interactive online exhibit. Mm. So despite the fact that you can look in a variety of places and find quite a bit of support um, uh, to about the narrative that he was dangerous, that he was he is the reason we have landed where we have today. Not the only reason, but a a largely contributing reason. And you have this this praise that's coming on this particular website. And I understand there is service there that, that can't be disregarded, especially because it wasn't just cannabis. It wasn't just marijuana that, that he was looking at. Um, Go well, ahead. Well, no, it's kind of interesting because then you look at Anslinger and don't really find much holding up to be a, to be this great person. Uh, but then you look at stuff where you see Elliot Ness and being like prohibition. And he was like, a, you know, he was like the top G man against prohibition and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And he's like. I mean, Kevin Costner played him for for goodness sakes. So it's just it's just kind of interesting how <laughs> it's the Costner benchmark. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So it's just kinda, Kevin Costner. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> so no, it's just interesting that 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 two people did have service to their country, uh, and both were part of both are part of prohibitive sort of things, uh, but yet one is lauded and the other one is celebrated. But that's the thing. As far as the government's concerned, generally speaking, they're both celebrating. Well, yes. And like Elliot Ness. On a gov.org page, yes, they are. But yeah. But there's not there. There is more and more support all the time for the fact that that Anslinger did not deserve that kind of celebration. And in 2020, The New York Times came out with an article entitled An Exhibition Tells the Story of a Drug War Leader, But Not All of It. And goes on to uh, tease the the DEA's ex- exhibition on Harry J. Anslinger, a founding father of American drug policy, does not delve into criticism that he used racial slurs. That uh, talk about an understatement. Well, like, he also didn't have the the killer dimples. He did not. He was a very serious kind of round faced, um, grimacing kind of man from all accounts. Yeah. From all of the things that I've read up, pushed together. This is what this is what we're talking about with the obituary um, with his targeting of the Japanese. 
um, which again made sense, racist, xenophobic, and there was a lot of um, uh, a lot of white America was very much villainizing um, lots of folks that were people of color um, and, and Japanese and Asian Americans and everything. So wherever the Japanese army goes, he said, the drug traffic follows. In every territory conquered by the Japanese, a large part of the people become enslaved with drugs. That's the end quote. He noted that this has been um, the case, particularly in Manchuria and China. He wielded much influence with Congress in his fight against Japanese opium offensive. His narcotics bureau was given the assistance of the Coast Guard. Da, 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 da. He goes the, the next section. I'll, I'm, I'm not going to read all of it, but it talks about large supplies of drugs and some of his uh, I think the bus that he was responsible for. And he really did so much harm. Yeah. And this is a big obituary for the New York Times in 1975. Well, they had to put all the harm in there. It was, but that's the thing. There's yeah, no harm listed. It's all, you know, this person that, that was celebrated. And well, I mean, there are people he, he, that are still incarcerated from that, from, from the time of his obituary that yeah. have been wrong. I mean, regardless, you can't call him lazy. He, he was not lazy. No. <laughs> he kept busy. He, and he was very, um, he had an agenda. Yes. And he was not the reason, but he really did mastermind that national campaign and then became, you know, part of a really important part of that global campaign to shape public attitude about marijuana and other drugs. Um, and through his positioning, you know, he was able to kind of pick and choose what he wanted to further and even the FBN, we have to keep in mind, the FBN was established as a as a, a Department of the Treasury initiative in a in a, you know, temperance is on the rise before it falls, before prohibition ends. And a lot of the agents that were working at the FBN were were prohibition agents that needed jobs. Mm-hmm. So it was it was as much about finding a reason to be needed for this work to keep appropriations going. Right. And so and, you know, when it came to cannabis, much of what he was um, was pushing, no pun intended, um, was that he needed to really focus when the FBN first started with like a few hundred agents he needed to to combat opioids and and cocaine, so he was encouraging the states to tackle marijuana. But he, it was like he had a a brilliant, really kind of evil marketing campaign to get them to to drill down on that. And then after the depression hit, it's important to note that you know FBN budget cuts happened. The government was not immune, so he was really he saw the pushing of this like weed narrative as a dangerous drug to be part of that um part of of that let's get the states to do it so that we can free up some of that money to go after these really dangerous drugs too but it's not like the narrative didn't wasn't going to grow well that was a fascinating amount 
of stuff to know to learn about Anslinger and just kind of how he handled things. Well, for if, watching Reefer Madness, um, and and some of the other uh, some of the other um, movies that were made by the government, that he was really the 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 person, the driver behind this. Um, we know now that all of that power and all of that authority is is exactly how the narrative spread. And, you know, there were friends that that were available that owned newspapers that would help to sensationalize those headlines. Mm. There were a lot of congressmen and elected officials that were willing to, you know, believe these headlines and Anslinger was around when the marijuana attacks I mean he was a key driver but when that was put into effect and that was all done by design on a hot afternoon mm-hmm. um, with bad with bad information those poor congressmen never had a chance huh yeah, those, all those congressmen they just they never even they never even had a chance they didn't get all the information they were just making up as they went along so they had the bad info Right, the bad info, but then they also disregarded the good info. I mean, the head of the AMA was there, and he was a physician and a lawyer that said Anslinger's poppycock was just that. Mm-hmm. Nonsense. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> they, they they should have looked into it more. We We know that, but that's the thing. There were so many people willing to buy what Anslinger was selling because they wanted to. Yep. So, in the diary, um, this 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 entry actually just reading it left me feeling a little sad because it just feels sad. There's only one other thing. Well, it's that's, an R.I.P. That's <laughs> so it's, duh. <laughs> it's like you know that's what she wrote next. R.I.P. Harry Anslinger, May twentieth, eighteen ninety two to November fourteenth, nineteen seventy five, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. There's no other um, entry behind it. Mm. Not, not like the one, you know, the the one that preceded it about the 137 things that I don't know what she has, but now I want to know what she has. 137 well, things of as of 1975. Well, maybe we'll figure that out next time. Maybe, maybe, and and maybe something a little lighter next time. This one yeah. about Anslinger and the obituary. Let's find something happy. It was a lot. Yeah. A lot to learn about Anslinger, and I learned more about it, maybe. about him and his influence all the time. It was vast, and and maybe there, maybe there'll be a diary entry where she, where she's met Kevin Costner. I, I mean, maybe. Join us next time for use this as you see fit, the Diary of Mary. <laughs>